Notre Dame just wrapped up one of its biggest recruiting weekends of the year, and today we break down the biggest headlines coming out of Junior Day, including which top prospects could commit to the Irish very soon. That's coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And you can watch this episode as well as every other episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcast. But whether you're watching or listening, I appreciate you being here with me today. Just please take a moment to subscribe to the show if you have not already. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. I also want to give a shout out to Ga Wang and everybody at ESQ Clothing for this Play Like a Champion bomber jacket. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see that it looks great. Plus, it's super comfortable, and I'm very grateful for their support. This isn't even an ad either. I just really like the jacket and wanted to give them a shout-out. All right, let's get into it. It was a very busy weekend on the Notre Dame campus as Marcus Freeman and his staff hosted their annual Junior Day event, which has become one of the most important weekends of the year for the recruiting staff. The Irish hosted a dozen committed prospects in their top-ranked class of 2025 on campus, as well as several other top targets on the board for a multi-day visit. And by all accounts, it was a huge success. So, to recap it all, I'm going to be joined by recruiting insider Kevin Sinclair from Irish Illustrated with the latest on everything that transpired. Plus, he's got some great intel on some guys who are not currently committed to Notre Dame, but could be in the very near future. Enjoy. Happy to be joined once again by recruiting insider Kevin Sinclair. And as we start to dive into Notre Dame's Junior Day event, I think the best place to start is with an explanation of what it is exactly, because I think most fans understand what an official visit is at this point, but this junior day, it feels a little bit more than that. So you could could you describe what goes down on junior day for the recruits, for the coaching staff, and then explain why it's so important? Yeah, so junior day, um, the, every January they have this junior day. And um, with the timing of it, um, it sort of makes sense. You're, you're kind of kicking off that next class. So signing day was basically a, a month prior. So one month ago, uh, Notre Dame signed its class. Um, and basically the, uh, the early enrollment uh, freshmen come in uh, early in January and then they have the junior day. So um, new freshmen, the new class, you know, roughly half of that class who enroll early come in. And then you have, um, you know, as many prospects as they can really get on campus for that junior day, you have them coming in. And um, a lot of them have maybe been to a game in the fall. So maybe two or three months prior. Um, some haven't been to Notre Dame at all. Um, you know, for example, Jeremiah Ousu Koromo's um, brother came to Notre Dame. He hadn't, it was his first actual recruiting visit. Uh, so you kind of have a combination there. You have some guys who've been there for a game before and some who haven't. So you get them in there. Marcus Freeman has a speech. They brought in a professor from Mendoza College of Business, and um, he, he had a really good speech. Every recruit I spoke with, actually, I didn't, didn't expect it. Every recruit I, uh, I spoke with about, you know, what stood out, every one of them named that. I talked about that professor. It was like the, the academics uh, pitch basically really stood out. Anyhow, so kind of Marcus Freeman getting into the academics. And then really, they, you know, they play dodgeball. They have some fun. 
Um, and then it's really just about getting all those kids together and, and then getting them, you know, talking with coaches. So it's, it's really like the big, the, I guess the way I put it is it's the first like big recruiting event of the new recruiting cycle after signing day. I guess that's how I'd put it. That makes sense. By chance, did you get the name of that professor? Yeah, it's uh, Chris Stevens, I believe. Okay, I did not. I did not have him and our name, but hopefully, some people listening uh, can give some love to him because I feel like if he made such a great impression, he deserves a shout out on the show. That's really interesting to hear about the fact that Notre Dame even incorporated a professor into it. But at the same time, it feels very Notre Dame uh, to include someone, especially someone from Mendoza. But coming out of the weekend, what do you think was the biggest headline? Well, um, I would say. You know, I want to have to split it into two, really, uh, Tyler. We got plenty of time, two, do it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two big stories here in terms of what I was looking at. There is three really, really exciting defensive backs uh, who aren't committed to Notre Dame, or, or, you know, multiple defensive backs who are, are or are not committed to Notre Dame, a good handful of them. And then there is a bunch of really good offensive linemen, right? So there was a defensive end, a really good defensive end, Damian Shanklin, uh, Koromo's brother was there. There's um, some good receivers, but for me, it was really about those defensive backs and those offensive linemen, you know, certain classes tend to have, um, you know, a, a really good amount of prospects that are, I guess you'd say recruitable for Notre Dame, you know, some classes really thin on options at certain positions, but there'll be a whole bunch of players where, they're going to have to make tough decisions and not take guys who might want to want in and that sort of thing. That's kind of what's going on. I, I think uh, on at both of those positions, they have Ivan Taylor, um, top 50 safety, Cree Thomas, a four-star cornerback and Ethan Long, a safety out of Connecticut. And then they had two elite cornerbacks um, visiting Notre Dame. So they had um, Dallas Golden, who, you know, he might be, it's kind of tough to say, but he might be the maybe the top prospect on the board uh, overall. You know, they already have their quarterback. They have some really important recruits and, and, and positions filled that way. But this kid, Dallas Golden, is kind of the epitome of the kind of recruit that Notre Dame just couldn't seem to get under Brian Kelly. And he's the kind of recruit who Marcus Freeman seems to be slowly starting to get more and more of. He's a dynamic athlete from Tampa, Florida, kind of area Notre Dame just couldn't seem to get recruiting wins in. Uh, out of Berkeley Prep, uh, Nelson Algalor, a fantastic receiver who went to USC and then off to the NFL. He played there. Obviously, it's a sore subject, but Keon Keeley played there as well. Um, he has really uh, good sort of ties to Notre Dame. There's uh, a walk-on linebacker named Trey Reeder, who was his teammate. I was really close with him. He's a really popular kid at Notre Dame. Dallas uh, visited for the USC game, which obviously was a really good atmosphere. And so this was getting him back there. Deuce Knight, Notre Dame commits were recruiting him very heavily. So Dallas Golden, really important. And then the offensive tackles, you've got Owen Straybig, Matty Augustine, and then Jack Lang, who is the most recently offered kid. I think he's the best of the bunch. I think he's a fantastic offensive tackle recruit. So you have these really, really good defensive backs, really, really good offensive linemen. They need both. Um, these kids fit Notre Dame really well. They get along with the commits really well. And uh, with that, it just it, everything turned out really well. Like the feedback, talking to those recruits after the visit, uh, I feel like Notre Dame made a lot of progress in all of those recruitments. 
Okay, I have a couple follow-ups from that. First, I need to correct something I said earlier. I do know who Chris Stevens is. I just looked him up. I did not have him as a student, but he's one of the developers of the Keurig, and he actually was my neighbor when I was a junior living in Irish Crossing. He used to walk his dog and talk to us. So big (laughs) shout-out to Professor Stevens. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, and I forgot about you there for that brief second. Second thing, Dallas Golden, you said he's the top target on the board. You and I have talked about him offline. Uh, I saw Tim Priester did a film breakdown today, your colleague at Irish Illustrated, and the report on him is just, it's its sensational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a kid where um, whether he were to play running back or receiver or cornerback or nickel or safety and or kick kickoff return, punt return, he's like a top 100, top 75 talent across the board. Notre Dame coaching staff thinks that he will fit the cornerback position best. He's one of those kids who just has amazing speed, amazing agility, body control, feet, balance, um, where he and, and fast twitch athleticism, where he, he just moves differently. He's the kind of kid where you know, he, looking at him, that type of player almost always ends up at Georgia or uh, maybe Florida or Alabama or USC. Again, I, I just think that I keep bringing this up because I think it's a really important point. He's the type of prospect Notre Dame just struggled or, you know, in some, time, in some ways just maybe flat out failed completely to land under Brian Kelly. Like just always slipped through their fingers. And those are those difference maker types, right? Uh, Marcus Freeman starting to land more of them. And that's the type of player he is. That's the type of player I think he is. But he also happens to be just a, an exemplary fit for Notre Dame. Extremely bright kid, you know, because a really, really good private uh, private school. Um, just you know, he he fits in really well. So that's part of the appeal there. He gets re- along really well with uh, Notre Dame's commits, who are all recruiting him really heavily. The coaches are recruiting him really heavily, and then you've got Mike Mickens, who's you know producing these uh, really good defensive backs like Benjamin Morrison. Cam Hart's going to be going off to the NFL. Um, Brian Christian Gray last year, who's a great cornerback. And so um, he has a really good reputation. I think Notre Dame's doing really well there. I think they're going to uh, land Dallas Golden. I haven't quite put my prediction in yet, but really close to it. He's a really special player. And uh, again, he's the type of player they didn't used to get, and they're starting to get more, and that's, that's really important. It's really exciting when you look at what he's capable of, but he's not the only really talented defensive back that Notre Dame is in the running for. You mentioned a few of them, the commits in Ivan Taylor, Ethan Long, Thomas Cree, but then there's outside of Dallas Golden, there's Mark Zachary the fourth and potentially Jaden Blair as well. This is a huge testament to the work of cornerbacks coach Mike Mickens and safeties coach Chris O'Leary. And I think that when we try to look at how Notre Dame is in the running for these guys, it certainly helps when Notre Dame is produced really talented defensive backs for the past few years, like Benjamin Morrison, like Cam Hart, and now Xavier Watts as well. But I think it goes a little bit beyond that. You said that Notre Dame hasn't been really in a position to land these guys in the past, but right now Notre Dame is not only in the mix, they're at the top um, of the board for these guys. So what is it about Mike Mickens specifically that makes him such an effective recruiter with these guys? You know, a lot of it is just being a a likable guy, right? Uh, Marcus Freeman is a charismatic guy. He's a fun guy. He's a younger guy. He can relate and that sort of thing. He's also just a really genuine guy. And 
I talked to a couple of recruits on the weekend. Here's a bit of like him going the extra mile to get these recruits. Um, for example, like Owen Strabig, the tackle from Wisconsin. You know, I was talking with him and he's explaining like what it is he likes about Joe Rudolph and what it is he likes about Marcus Freeman. And then he explained like Marcus Freeman knows his mom and his dad and his brothers and he talks to his parents regularly. And so on one point, he's a, a charismatic guy. He's he's genuine. There's no crap with him. He's no over-the-top salesmanship. Really, you know, really good recruiter, effective recruiter. But he doesn't just recruit the prospect. He's getting on the phone with their, their parents, getting to know them personally. And then when it comes to the decision time, you know, of course, it's, you know, in most cases, it's up to the recruit. It's their decision but their parents oftentimes uh, influence that decision, right? And so when you have a head coach who has a personal relationship with, you know, sometimes the entire family, because they visited, he's, he's met their brothers and their sisters, and he knows their, their head coach, and he knows their mom and their dad. He goes the extra mile, plus he's also just a very likable guy, right? And I think that's about as simple as that. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can also find bets in the new Explore tab or make, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So if you've been listening to the show every day the past couple of weeks, you know that I picked the Browns to cover against the Texans. That didn't happen. Then the following week, I was like, you know what? Let's take the Texans to cover against the Ravens. That didn't happen. Both teams got absolutely housed when I picked them to cover. So you might be wondering, is he going to continue giving out public picks knowing that he's been awful the past two weeks? The answer is yes. I am riding with Detroit. Plus seven against the 49ers. San Francisco looked pretty sloppy in their win against the Packers. I do think the 49ers will win, but I like the Lions to cover plus seven. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. What about Jack Lang? You mentioned in your article recapping the whole weekend that he's, quote, a cut above the rest, uh, referring to all the other tackles in this class. He's actually outside the top 150 in the 24-7 sports composite, but I know you're really high on him as well as a few of your colleagues. Why do you think he stands above the rest? You know, he, uh, okay, so he is um, just under six foot eight, and he's 275 pounds. He's a really big kid, huge kid. He is so, so quick off the snap. He has just incredible quickness, really, really good pad level. A lot of high school offensive linemen who are in the 6'6 to 6'8 range. Um, That's sort of a work in progress. They're big and strong, so they can kind of get away with playing higher, which is kind of more comfortable and natural. But for him, he plays he plays really good pad level, really good bend, flexibility, but he's really quick and explosive off the line. And um, for example, if they're, you know, if they're run blocking, um, let's see, he's at the left tackle position and they're running an off tackle. He's got a defensive end on outside shade off the snap. He can step outside and just drive block that defensive end into the turf so quickly and at six foot eight, uh, uh, playing with such a low pad level, 
there, there's some things there that you can't coach. There's, uh, um, you know, they talk about bend and flexibility and all those sorts of things. It's something you either have or you don't. He has all of those things. Okay. So he's very flexible. He can bend and he's just very, very quick off a snap. And he's really aggressive. He's an excellent drive blocker in his high school team. They, from the film I've seen, it doesn't seem like they're very, very run heavy. So I haven't seen a whole lot of pass blocking from him yet because it seems they just don't throw the ball a whole lot. But this athleticism, the way he moves, um, how lean he is at 275, he's absolutely going to get up over 300, no problem. Uh, I just think he's a phenomenal prospect. I'd rank him in the easily way into the top 100. Uh, and on top of that, he's just a, he's a, a fantastic kid. Um, he's maybe one of the most like obvious Notre Dame fits of all the recruits who aren't already committed to Notre Dame. I guess that's about how I'd sum it up. So is, isn't really his dad nice a big Notre Dame there. fan too? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I I spoke with Jack for the, the first time a few weeks ago and I, I put together uh, some reporting on him and yeah, it turns out his, his dad, it sounds like he's a, a sort of lifelong diehard Notre Dame fan. Sounds like he cheers for Missouri a little bit too, because they live there, but yeah, big time Notre Dame fan. So as soon as they invited his son uh, to go up to uh, a game, his dad was like, Oh, we're going we're, uh, <laughs> pack your bags kind of thing. So um, yeah, fun story, really good kid. And um, he, he fits in really well. An elite tackle prospect whose dad is a diehard Notre Dame fan. That sounds like a guy that Notre Dame can land. But the big question yeah. that every fan wants to know coming out of a big recruiting weekend like this is who is on commit watch. And I'm not telling you to put in a crystal ball or anything like that here, but which prospects who were on campus this past weekend are you following closely to see if they commit here in the near future? Well, we were just talking about him, Jack Lang. Um, I, th I think he'll very, very likely to end up in the class. So I'd keep a really close eye on him. Um, we were talking about Dallas Golden as well. I don't think Notre Dame's, from what I understand from conversations I had today, it didn't sound like they've completely pushed the ball across the goal line yet, but they're very close. You know, um, they're, they're, they're within the, they're down on the five yard line right now. And, you know, um, so I think um, if they continue on the path they're going, I think, Really, really good chance to land him as well. And then Mark Zachary out of Indianapolis, um, another top 75 cornerback, uh, fantastic player. Um, I think Miriam's a very, very good chance of landing him as well. So those are the three I'd keep uh, the closest eye on, Jack Lang, Dallas Golden, and Mark Zachary. And then just sort of when you look at those defensive backs uh, they already have in the class, um, yeah, they're they're stacking them up pretty well there on the on, in the defensive backfield. So uh, it's been interesting to watch, just um, in terms of what we're used to seeing um, Notre Dame's sort of capability um, level in recruiting those positions. Um, bringing a new head coach and and things are changing uh, in recruiting, and that's an area that's that's really been changing, and it's exciting to watch. Let's say Notre Dame is able to land all those guys you just mentioned on commit watch that would bring them to 17 total commits in the class in January, which is crazy, right? I mean, that'd be right. three quarters of the way finished with the year before signing day, but say all that happens, which position groups would be the top priority the rest of the way? Yeah. You know, um, 
right now they have a few uh, defensive line commits, right? So, you know, Joseph Rafe and, and Don Hulek and um, CJ May. I think um, whether it's Reef or May, I, I could see one of them end up being a defensive tackle. But my uh, my point is, though, really the defensive line, I think, is is what I would say is a priority. And again, I know they have Devion Dixon as well. I mean, they've got multiple defensive linemen. But what I think they need is a couple of high-level guys, right? Uh, you know, a few high-level players, a defensive tackle, a really good pass rusher. I just feel like they, they, they did a really good job of starting to rebuild that defensive line. Bryce Young, Logan Thomas, Cole Mullins, um, you know, Bubakar Traor, the, the cycle before. That's a really good start there. Uh, it's a really good start. they got to keep it going. You, you've got – if you look back at Notre Dame in the last decade or so, the best football teams they've had. Um, you look at back when they had, you know, Julian Aquara, Khalid Kareem, Jerry Tillery, um, those players – that was a tremendous defensive line. They need to rebuild that. And I think they're on their way, but they need to build another really, really good defensive line class. You can't stop once you've had a little bit of success, the transfer portal, um, and just the nature of college football these days and how fluid the rosters are. You have to keep on stacking that talent. So the defensive line uh, is what I would say. And Damian Shanklin out of Indianapolis is a prospect. I think is really, really, really important for Notre Dame. I think they have a really good chance of landing him. But I don't think he's uh, um, planning to decide anytime soon. So we'll see what happens there. But they definitely have their foot in the door with him. Yeah, when it comes to defensive line, you need to get as many top guys as you can because every single year you look at who's winning the national championship. What's the one? Well, there's multiple things that are consistent among those at the top, but every single one, Georgia, Michigan, they all had elite defensive lines. But on the offensive side of the ball, personally, I think, Wide receiver is still a huge need, despite the fact that Notre Dame has been able to shore up that position. They have a new wide receivers coach, Mike Brown. And as of now, I don't believe there are any wide receiver commits in the class. So Mm -hmm. what sort of work lies ahead for Mike Brown in his first year as the receivers coach at Notre Dame? Yeah, you know, it's a tricky situation. You you come in as a, a new coach and, you know, the recruiting cycle has already sort of begun. They've already built most of the board. And so there's a lot of catch up there. And that's, that's tricky, of course. Um, Notre Dame didn't have like a whole lot of traction. I felt uh, at receiver anyhow. So it wasn't like there was, um, you know, several receivers real close to committing and then they all, they had to start from scratch and those. That's not really how it was. Um, There are some, Good receivers on that board. They're starting to add some really exciting prospects. There's a kid named Sean Terry out of Ironton, Ohio. Um, really exciting slot receiver who was on campus on Saturday in Notre Dame offered. Um, there's uh, Elijah Burris, who is former NFL receiver Plaxico Burris's son. He was on campus as well. Notre Dame offered him recently. So they're expanding that board a little bit, right? Um Derek Meadows is a kid to keep an eye on. He is a really unique one in that he's, you know, he's uh, six foot five. He's about 195 pounds. He is, uh, you know, he was like a, a, a superstar national track athlete as, as a young kid and still all the way up to today, hurdles and, and long jump and all of these sorts of things. He ran a four five forty at Notre Dame's uh, camp there in June. He's a really bright kid. Uh, I believe he was born in New Jersey, he grew up mostly in Chicago, and then a few years ago he moved down to Las Vegas where he plays at Bishop Gorman. 
they had the best high school offense in the country this past season, uh, in my opinion. And, you know, he was a starting receiver. He's a really talented kid. Um, Notre Dame's in really good shape there. Uh, I know that he's also looking around to see what other offers come his way. I could see him, his offer list blowing up as well. So um, difficult to predict that one, but that's uh, one to keep an eye on. But I think it's sort of a to be determined, I guess, is, is how I would describe the receiver situation. They're, they're just adding new receivers to the board, new coach, just starting to get some of them on campus. So it's kind of a wait and see. Um, but I would just say this, most first-year assistant coaches, if you look back, most of them uh, end up signing a really good class in their first year. You look back, like for example, like Terry Joseph, his first year, he signed Kyle Hamilton. You look back at like Jeff Quinn, you know, Blake Fisher and Joe Alt and all that. If you go back and you look at the first year of all those coaches, um, their first year at Notre Dame, uh, most of them signed really good classes, if not their best class ever at Notre Dame in their first year. It's an interesting little topic if you look back at it anyhow. That's interesting. I do want to ask about Jeremiah Owusu-Kormo's brother because he was on campus this weekend, and the way I understand it, it came together rather quickly. Now, if you were to compare the recruitments, Jeremiah's, I feel like he was a little bit more under the radar when he was in high school. That is not the case for Nathaniel. He goes to IMG Academy. He's like just outside Mm -hmm. the top 50 on every recruiting ranking. The guy's a stud. You look at what his brother's done in the NFL, there's plenty of reasons to be excited about him. But even though there is that connection there, Nathaniel is by no means a lock to go to Notre Dame, but it does sound like the coaching staff made a great impression on him this weekend. Where does he sort of stand with his recruitment right now? Yeah, so I um, talked to someone kind of uh, in the know, I guess you'd say, a few months ago, and they said it It sounded like he was probably, they thought anyhow from what they heard, he was probably more um, more likely to kind of carve his own path or, you know, I hate cliches like that, but, you know, go somewhere his brother didn't go, I guess. Anyways, um, you know, whether that was in the South or uh, where that would be. And, uh, you know, it's not difficult to, to understand that. A lot of players at IMG Academy, I mean, they're pretty you know, saturated in the, in the SEC down there. A lot of kids from IMG go to SEC schools. He's a great player. Uh, he's an elite player, actually. And so that wasn't difficult to, to sort of understand. However, when I've talked with him, he he's so similar to his brother. Um, his brother was a you know a really good fit at Notre Dame. He was very popular at Notre Dame. He's a good student, um, really mature uh, guy. And his brother's very similar. So anyhow, the issue though is he hadn't visited Notre Dame yet. It's kind of difficult to gauge Notre Dame's odds with a recruit if they haven't visited campus, right? It's just uh, tricky to say. Anyhow, he visited for junior day there on Saturday. Uh, seemed it went uh, really, really well. And I think uh, before the weekend, I thought there was very little chance they would land him. And now I feel like Notre Dame's a, they're a contender. I think – Schools in the Southeast may have a better chance uh, in the long run, but Notre Dame has his foot in the door there with him now, and I don't feel like they did prior to Saturday. So, you know, he's not going to decide anytime soon. He's a blue-chip recruit. 
but getting to campus uh, on Saturday was huge. Um, I didn't know if he was uh, going to make it there this off season. He did. He got there really early in the off season. He must have wanted to. It's a long trip, so it's a, it's a really good sign for Notre Dame. He's a really special player, just like his brother. Last year, quarterback C.J. Carr was considered the leader of his class, and he was very active in recruiting other prospects to Notre Dame. And then this year, Notre Dame's current quarterback commit in the class of 2025, Deuce Knight, is doing the same thing, and he was on campus again this weekend. Can you describe the impact that Knight has had on the other commits and the top targets that Notre Dame is after? Yeah, it's it's just huge. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm sort of like um, – speaking over the top about him, but like you want your quarterback to be a leader and you want him to be uh you know, a magnetic guy and all that. He's absolutely all of that. And um, you know, every recruit I talk to every top prospect that I, I interview, they all know Deuce and they all talk to him regularly and, and Deuce is uh, recruiting them. And he's, you know, joking around with them like uh, steadily about um, coming to Notre Dame and, um, he's, uh, he just has those natural leadership qualities. There was someone who was at Notre Dame on Saturday who doesn't know who the recruits are. He was sort of standing near the entrance as they were all walking in. And I asked him, you know, did you sort of notice anything? Like he, this is a guy who doesn't know who's committed to Notre Dame or who's not. And uh, he said, yeah, there was this this one kid and he just had this presence about him, you know, and he seemed to be uh, everyone is sort of talking with him and laughing. And he was sort of, you know, a leader. He was sort of the center of attention. And he was greeting everyone and they're getting there and this and that. And, and it was Deuce. It was Deuce Knight. Um, he, he's just um, like I like I said, he's just sort of got that natural leadership and magnetic sort of thing going on. But he also is like he these great players, he really wants them to come and join him at Notre Dame. He wants them on the team. Like he he's uh he's adamant about that. He's recruiting all of those top prospects, and it's making a big impact because he's a really likable guy, he's a charismatic kid, and he's a he's a fantastic quarterback, right? He's a six foot four uh quarterback, a big arm, he's an exciting player, and so uh that sells on the recruiting trail, of course. Yeah, and it's like any football team, right? It's always great when your best leaders are the best players, and it's even better when your best player is the quarterback, right? That mm -hmm. that certainly sets you up for success later on. Okay, last question before we let you go, and this one is actually about a prospect in Notre Dame's class of 2024. 24-7 Sports released its final rankings for the class of 2024 on Monday, and Notre Dame defensive end Bryce Young finished as a five-star and the number 24 prospect overall. When he committed to Notre Dame, he wasn't even in the top 300. So has any Notre Dame recruit since the time that you've been covering the team ever ever experienced an ascent quite like Young has had in his senior season? Well, I would say, okay, two things here. Has anyone ascended like up the rankings the way he yeah, has? Yeah. Yes, but has someone that I've ever seen ascended like talent wise over that short of a period of time? No, that I've ever seen. No. Kyle Hamilton, I believe when he committed to Notre Dame, I think he was ranked like 1200 or 1300 overall 
or he was ranked that just before he committed. And then he was a really low three star. And, and then of course he ended up being a five-star recruit um, with 24 seven sports, but he was always really talented when he was ranked down low. I thought that was ridiculous. And I just thought he was just sort of overlooked that sort of thing. Bryce young wasn't that way. When he first came on board, he was a clumsy, uncoordinated uh, receiver who dabbled a little bit at defensive end, and he just started playing football. Didn't really know what he was doing. I remember, I was, I remember uh, talking to Micah Gilbert, his, his teammate, and he was laughing about that. He said he's played receiver. He couldn't catch the ball. I didn't really know what was going to happen with him. Like 18 months later, he's – arguably the best defensive end in the country or, you know, certainly in the top five. And I just never seen anything like that. You know, he was about maybe 220 pounds or so, 215. And it was like just over a year later, he's like 245 pounds. He looks like a, like a college. He looks like a, like a guy who is in the too deep at Georgia, you know, as a high school senior. And it's like, Holy crap, you know? And well, his dad's Bryant Young, right? And not only is his dad Bryant Young, but Bryant Young is the defensive line coach and defensive coordinator in his high school football program. So, man, if you want to learn how to get big and strong and be a good defensive lineman, um, Bryant Young's a pretty good, pretty darn good mentor. He's in the Hall of Fame, right? So, um, you know, it, it, there's obviously some lineage there, you know, with his dad. Um, he's obviously worked really hard at it as well. Um, but he's also uh, just, he's a lot taller than his dad was. So he's got all that length going on. Anyhow, man, he has all the potential in the world. Um, I won't be surprised if he plays as a freshman, but you know, he's kind of putting the you know rookie year thing aside. Uh, man, uh, in, in the long term, he should be a, a big impact player for Notre Dame. I'd be really surprised if he isn't. Yeah, if he can make that level of a jump every yeah, I don't single think I've year. seen anything like that. I honestly don't. Uh, in yeah. that short period of time, it's really, really wild. If he stays on that same track, improving that much every single year, he'll be better than his dad at the end of his career. And his dad is a Hall of Famer, but that is a long way to go. But this has been great. Uh, be sure to follow Kevin on X at Kevin Sinclair underscore and read all of the great work he does uh, at Irish Illustrated. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time to come on after an especially busy weekend. I really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, man. Have a good day, Tyler. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. we got plenty of great stuff coming your way this week, so make sure that you've subscribed to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can also follow the show on X at Locked On Irish or on Instagram at Locked On Irish Pod. And you can follow my personal X account at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Same time, same place tomorrow, guys. See you then.